0: This is a podcast from Minute Media In the fall each year we all congregate and found all gathered at the church and still getting the scriptures reading from the fucking months. My favorite bird my god of fresh. Drunk and the notches what Georgia fame. Ain't love to find in the lane. Now the three thousand of our best friends. It's Saturday and last thing.
1: Welcome to the Saturday in Athens podcast. We're a Georgia football show by dogs fans for dogs fans. I'm your host, Herschel Gurley, and we have a very special guest today. I will say this, Aaron, there's only been a couple times in our interview history where we said our guests needed no introduction, but I think you're one of them. And we are honored to be joined by former Georgia quarterback Aaron Murray today. Aaron, welcome to the show, bud. Yeah, thanks for having me. So I want to start with you by saying, congratulations. It's been a big, I guess, two or three weeks for you. Wedding anniversary and announcement of pending arrival in the family. So congratulations on both of those.
0: Yeah, thank you. Uh, we are excited, man. We got the boy uh, just turn or turns to this week, so uh, he's been an absolute blast. Very easy. Sort of like, man, number two has a lot of uh, you know high expectations to see if they can or she can uh, live up to her older brother and, and and just how awesome he's been. So. We're super excited uh, to get our little girl right around, actually, Thanksgiving. Uh, so it be a great celebration. A lot of family, obviously, will be in town for for that. And, yeah, two and done. I got a boy, we got a girl coming, and now no more. We're <laughs> done. We've got two dogs, so big happy family.
1: Yeah, that's smart. You guys will be in the man-to-man defense in perpetuity. I think that's a good decision.
0: Yeah, I mean, I've, like I said, he's, he's easy, but, you know, for anyone that has kids, they know it's easy still. Uh, not easy. He's uh, he's a handful. He's a lot of fun. He's very active. He's like his dad. He doesn't like to sit still. He's just nonstop, go, 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 which is an absolute blast. So yeah, yeah, be able to, you know, I take one, you take one. Uh, my wife comes from two, a family of two, her and her brother. Um, I'm, I'm three with my brother and sister. But uh, yeah, two sounds good. So we'll, we'll reevaluate later on. But uh, yeah, I think we're gonna stick with that for a little bit.
1: Yeah, my wife and I have four, so we're in the perpetual zone defense, constantly outnumbered. And let me tell you something, brother, we're always getting worked, just getting carved up every day. <laughs> it's fair, though.
0: You get two for two and two for two. So we have two dogs. So that's like our four right there. You know, I get, I'll take Maddox and the doodle. She can take Georgia and uh, the, the golden.
1: Yeah. That the golden, excuse me, the girl. Yeah. Well, and I mean, punt and pass podcast is just expanding left and right. Yeah, I mean Drew and I, it's been
0: it's fun. I mean, we're we we got a lot of things coming and hopefully some more stuff, you know. Obviously in the um, you know, in the fall as we get closer and closer to season. So, you know, it's 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 great covering Georgia sports, as you know, when when things are great. And and right now Georgia seems to be a train that's moving at a very high pace and does not seem to be slowing down anytime soon, you know, the way Kirby has built this program. He's built it for the long haul. And, you know, we're excited to continue to, to watch it, you know, as a former player and alumni and former just student of Georgia. It's just been awesome to kind of sit back and enjoy the success that Georgia's had, being able to go to a lot of these games, you know, going out to Miami and going up to Indianapolis and, and, and see what he's been able to build is, is absolutely tremendous.
1: There was a picture on social, I can't remember if it was last week or the week before, and I believe it was from the Pollock Foundation Golf Tournament, and it was Coach Rick and you, and David Green, and DJ Shockley. And it was interesting for a couple reasons. One, because it it put into perspective, I think, what a small community and fraternity Georgia quarterbacks is, number one. And I, I say that to then ask you this question. What was it like this year consuming the 2021 season as a former quarterback at Georgia, but also in support of Stetson and what he had to weather during the campaign to, to get to the title?
0: Yeah, it it is a small fraternity. And I learned that really fast when, when I got to Georgia, just how much that the former quarterbacks like to take care of you, you know, the current guys, you know, they were, you know, from shock to Greeny and Zire and Buck and, you know, Stafford, all those guys were just so great of always messaging me, always encouraging me. Um, always being there as a, is as a resource if I need them. So I, you know, my mentality has always been, Hey, I want to make sure I'm that for all the quarterbacks going forward. So from Hudson to obviously Stead and from and Eason and Justin, like any of them, like, Hey man, we're here for you. There's a great fraternity of quarterbacks that uh, I've obviously been in your shoes, know what it's, you know, know the pressures of being the quarterback at the university of Georgia and are here to answer any questions and, and help any way we can. So you no, know, Stetson and I've had a good relationship. Um, he's he's a great kid. Love his mentality of of kind of that chip on his shoulder, always ready to prove everyone wrong, always ready to outwork everyone to make sure that he's over prepared, that his teammates are ready to go, that he's able to answer any questions that anyone has to to, to ask him when it comes to uh, the game plan for that week. And it's just been really really impressive to watch. Um, I don't know many people who could have mentally gone through what Stetson's gone through. Obviously, coming not really given an opportunity to play, leaves, come back, you know, still not really given an opportunity to play, wins, wins a national championship, and still, you know, people are asking for him to to kind of move on. It's just, it's bewildering to me, but, you know, he's going to be able to sit back and laugh one day and write his book and enjoy life as, you know, one of only two quarterbacks as of right now that's won a national championship at Georgia.
1: You're almost 10 years removed from your final season in Athens. And I know, regardless of the times, being a quarterback at a a major college program is always life in a fishbowl. But can you speak to the difference, even in the last 10 years of playing such a high profile position with the prevalence of social media and the constant, I guess, get ability with access and things of that nature? and how that would present a different dynamic and make things more difficult, especially at such a young age.
0: They got to grow up fast. I mean, there's no more, hey, oops, I'm young. I didn't mean to make that mistake because now every mistake you make is going to be all over the internet. It's going to all be over social and it's going to be out, you know, not next week or the following week. It's going to be out that hour. There's always a camera on you. There's always someone ready to get you. I mean, that's just, it's kind of a nasty world, honestly. You know, you go on some of these either forums or social media, I would say there's a lot more negativity than positivity, not saying there's more negative people out there than there are positive people. But as we know, usually the, the minority are, are at times the loudest, especially because of the negativity. Um, so you see, and you feel that and you hear that a lot more. So it's stressful, man. It is stressful trying to deal with it to, you know, obviously I love what Stetson did. Screw the iPhone. Let me just have a flip phone. So I'm not tempted to get on Instagram. I'm not tempted to get on Twitter and scroll through the feed and, you know, see all the bad stuff going out there. Like just stay away. And even the good stuff too. I mean, you can kind of get full of yourself at times and, and you got to make sure you stay focused on what the main thing is. So, it's tough. Then you throw in this whole NIL and the transfer portal. Like I said, these kids got to grow up fast. I mean, I knew professional athletes that couldn't handle dealing with, with football and then the marketing and doing this and that and the other. It, it's a lot to balance. And now you're asking these kids who have to go to school, so have to do 12 hours per semester, go to practice, go to weightlifting, be a normal 18 to 22-year-old student, and then do marketing. And you know, posting and this side and the other, it's a, it's a lot. Like I said, it forced them to grow up really, really fast, forced them to learn how to manage their money, which could be a good thing. And it, it is a good thing as long as they're wise with it. It doesn't seem as fun as it used to, because you do you have, to, you have to be more professional. You can't just be a kid.
1: Yeah. I feel like you straddled that line, right? Like social was becoming a thing at that time, but man, I, I thought about that a lot this year that, that he handled that with a lot of grace because just so much pressure anyways, being in that position, but to have all those eyes on you and everybody having an opinion. And, and I just, I felt so good for him that, that he got to kind of be part of that and have that victory. And I thought his emotion came out. I thought that was one of the beautiful moments of the whole thing was at the end when it was official that they were going to win the title. And he kind of let go a little bit. I just thought that was a a great thing. So so happy for him. I want to talk to you about your recruitment. You obviously had a decorated career in high school and were recruited by a number of schools. I've always been interested as a kid growing up in Florida. You would think, right? The mind tells you that that one of the Florida schools would have been the one for you. How did how did the the path to Georgia illuminate? And how did you ultimately make that choice?
0: Uh, I, I knew I wanted to be SEC. You know, I know I know this is you know this has been the best conference for a long time. You know, if you're if you're a competitor, you have the opportunity. You know, I think most guys want to play in this league. You look at the championships, you look at the uh, guys going on to the NFL, you look at the coaches, it's the best. So I, I know I want to go SEC. I know I want to be close to home. You know, at the time for Florida, Dan Mullen was on his way out. A lot of people knew that Dan was going to be taking a head coaching job somewhere. Like any position, you know, you don't really work with the head coach unless your head coach is the OC2 or DC. You're working with your position coach. You're working with your either offensive or defensive coordinator. So, you know, that's the relationship that I mostly focused on. My relationship with Coach Mullen, my relationship with Bobo, and both of them were awesome. You know, I love both guys. And then Dan was kind of leaving. So then kind of made the decision like, okay, you know, maybe I will consider a little bit more leaving the state of Florida. You know, Georgia at the time was the number one team in the country or, you know, a really good team when I was committing, projected to be the number one team in the country the following year. You know, obviously they had Stafford. They had a great tradition of quarterbacks there. You know, Bobo played. Rick played the position. Uh, a little bit more of a pro style offense at the time, which to me I liked compared to you know watching Tebow just get his absolute butt beat, you know beat up because of all the zone reads. So I was like, all right, Molin's leaving that offense. I didn't really know if it fit me. You know, I go to Georgia. I know Bobo's going to be there. He's a great dude. Played the position. You know, kind of goes back to that fraternity feel I talked about earlier. And Georgia's a great football team. So I think a lot of that weighed into it a little bit and and ultimately helped in my decision uh, to go with Georgia.
1: I'm so interested in that answer and I'll tell you why. As an outsider looking in, I always felt like you obviously had a splendid career at Georgia. I mean, SEC records left and right. But we have always talked as, as a friend group that follow the, the program that the offenses now are built for a lot of your skill set. Yes, And if things had been set up then like they are now, your numbers would have been even more outrageous than they were then. But I, I mean, I get the pro style argument, right? Cause that's the ultimate path you want to play yeah. in the NFL. So, so I understand that, but do you, is there ever a PC that goes, man, if I was in this monkey offense now, <laughs> what I could have done in that? I mean, we, we, we oh.
0: fooling it around though, you know, especially I would say my, you know, my junior and senior senior year, we got, you know, we still had the 21 personnel, two backs, tight end, you know, the full back, all that good stuff to receivers, but we did a lot more, I would say 11 personnel. So, you know, one back, one tight end, three receivers, we spread it out. We threw it a lot more. You know, we, I think people think pros offense. I think the quarterback's throwing the ball, you know, 20 times a game, 25 times a game. And I think I was a little bit higher than that. I would, I would say, I mean, don't quote me. I don't know the numbers exactly, but I feel like we opened up a lot more my last two seasons. We had some really good receivers, uh, some good tight ends, you know, our backs could catch the ball in the backfield really well between Todd and Keith. So it wasn't necessarily a spread offense. You know, we were a lot more multiple, which made us pretty hard to defend, I would say, but yeah, it, it was, it was a good balance. I mean, shoot. Even our, my senior year, we started dabbling in the zone read into the RPO world. Uh, we weren't, you know, super complicated in it, but just enough where defenses had a game plan for that part of it.
1: Yeah, I guess that's the piece more into it I'm thinking of. I always thought as a runner, you were underutilized. And I know there's health involved in that, right? They want to keep you healthy. They don't want you to get popped. But I can specifically remember a couple of times from your freshman year, I think your first game, maybe you scored a rushing touchdown. I remember Coach Rick kind of looking like, yeah, I don't know how comfortable I feel about this. Let's keep him in the pocket area. And keep him out of harm's way, but yeah, I just, I've always felt like that was an interesting thing, and you're right. I mean, those were some some explosive offenses. I, I don't know if this is still the case, but when you graduated, I'm pretty sure you're the only quarterback in SEC history that threw for over 3,000 yards all four years. Is that still the case? You're the only one,
0: yeah? Well, the thing is, you got to play for four years, you know. A lot of these guys it's get wild, two, right? they get three, they go to the NFL. Um, you know, so I think that that obviously is in, in favor of me because of you know, get to the benefit of playing as a freshman and then, you know, deciding to stay for that fourth year um, helped out a ton when it came to, you know, some of the records I hold now in the SEC, but yeah, like I said, I, I'm not the biggest guy in the world. You know, I'm six foot, six one, you know, 195 to 200 when I played. So yeah, I don't think, and I'm not Kyler Murray, you know, I'm not nimble. I'm not shifty. Like I can't, you know, I wasn't going to make a couple guys miss in space. Like I was, I was a decent athlete. Um, I could run, I could pull down, I could make plays with my legs if it needed to, but I'll tell you what, I can feel it now. Those hits did take a toll a little bit, especially during the season when I mean you're getting rocked by dudes that are 300-plus pounds. It, it takes a tear in you a little bit.
1: We're always interested in this when we talk to former players. Of the five years that you spent in Athens and the four seasons that you were starting, I'm going to throw a couple things at you and then I want you to tell us the thing you're most proud of when you were a player there. So three and one against Florida and damn close to 4-0, hold multiple SEC records, including most career passing yards, most career passing touchdowns, two SEC championship appearances, two-time captain, SEC scholar athlete of the year of of that grouping, or it could be something else. What's the thing you're most proud of every time at Georgia?
0: Oh, man. Uh, I would say, you know, uh, the three and one versus Florida is pretty sweet, and I can lie, especially because I'm a Florida kid. So yeah. it, you know, it always made my parents happy to go down there. Um, you know, between that, I would say the captain awards and then the off season awards. You know, I was named twice the off season award winner, and and just for overall, it wasn't lifting. You know, everyone's like, oh wow, we see your net. You, there's this big old trophy inside. Um, the facility now and it's in the weight room and my name's on it twice. I think there's only a couple players on that trophy. And everyone's like, well, I didn't know you're a big time weightlifter. I'm like, no, 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 I'm not. not." This isn't signaling that someone's the strongest person on the team for that summer. This had more to do with leadership. Uh, And, you know, for those who don't know summertime coaches aren't involved. So a lot of it has to go on the players to get guys to show up to workouts, to get them to show up to meetings, to get them to show up to seven on sevens, stuff like that. So I took that, you know, obviously as being the quarterback and leader of the team, I need to get guys and find ways to incentivize them, excite them, get them to workouts, get them to seven on sevens, get them to watch more film. And that was always a, a, a mission for me every offseason. season. So thought I had a really good plan, executed it pretty darn well. And I think being named the you know, recipient of that award two years in a row, um, to me signify that, you know, the hard work I put in, as a leader to get guys to show up really paid off. And that guy's trusted me.
1: So your career was in in some ways inimitable. um, And it led to you getting drafted by the chiefs in the fifth round of the 2014 NFL draft. And before we talk about football, I want to talk to you about Kansas city. My brother has lived in Kansas city for many, many years. Three of my uh, siblings are KU grads. So a lot of, a lot of family and connections in Kansas city. I got to know if you were in Kansas city for a day, where's the first place you'd go get barbecue?
0: Ooh, so I, I lived in the plaza. So Jack stacks was right next door to me. Um, yeah. God, those burn ends were good. I, I, I'm a Jack stacks. I mean, I've been to all of them from Oklahoma Joe's to q uh, Q39 was a great spot. Um, yep. lived close to there. We'd go there a lot. They had a cool hangout, but I mean, literally next door to Jack stacks. So we would, after games, just order pounds of burn ends and bring it back to the house and just eat away.
1: Yeah, it's a different animal, man. Like, there's obviously great barbecue everywhere, but it's just a different animal when you're in Kansas City, Texas, or Memphis. So, oh, man, yeah. I, I,
0: I, sw- I gained my first month and a half because they're always, you know, barbecues for this dinner and that dinner, and going to barbecue and trying this new spot. I mean, I must have gained 15 pounds, you know, immediately. It's just so good; you can never have enough of it. And uh, yeah, when you discover those burnt ends, you're like, "What is this? Why have I not had these before?" And uh, yeah, it's,
1: it's a favorite. So we've asked some former players that have gone on to play in the NFL, Rennie Kern being one of them. Can you discuss the difference between the atmosphere and the experience as a player at the college level and then what it's like when you transition to the NFL? Is it the same collegiality? Is it the same, I guess, unity? What, what are the differences for those of us that don't know?
0: Yeah, it's different. And, and, and I'm sure it's a lot less different now because of the transfer portal and guys moving around. It's almost becoming like a mini NFL college. But at least when I played, I mean, you committed with your teammates. You went to school. You're with them for three, four or five years. You know, they're your buddies. You, know, you get to the NFL. Obviously, guys have, you know, they're married. They have kids. It's kind of it's just a job. I mean, you show up, you're there for. You know, college, so example, college. I mean, you get to the facilities early, you're hanging out, y'all playing, we're playing video games or pool, joking around, go to practice meetings, all that. Afterwards, you go back, you're living with your buddies, you're playing video games, you're hanging out, going to the bars, going to restaurants, all that good stuff. It's a league, and it's not as much like that. Like I said, you know, guys are coming in there, they show up, they get to work, go to your meetings, go to practice, shower, you're out of the facility. You know, there's no like hanging out, chilling, all that stuff. No, you're going home, hanging out with your wife, kids, girlfriend, all that. Um, so that's a little bit different. And then obviously the whole free agency side of things. You know, the roster is changing like crazy. GM's bringing in three or four new guys a week, cutting three or four guys. After the season, you know, maybe 40% of the guys stay for the following year. Like I said, man, the roster is just changing like crazy. So yeah, a lot more business type feel, which honestly, like I said, right now, when you look at college football with the way the transfer portal is kind of affecting things, it's not as drastic as the NFL, but it does have that feel a little bit where it's more business than, you know, I'm here to build a relationship. I'm here for my teammates. I'm here for the long haul. And and just that love for your university, it's, it's a little bit different.
1: You had an opportunity to do broadcasting work and are still doing that for CBS. Is that always something that was on, I guess, your game plan or did that opportunity present itself and it was too good to turn down? What was the genesis of that and how much have you enjoyed that piece of it and that ability to stay involved in the game on that side?
0: You know, I thought I, I always thought I may jump into it. Not a hundred percent. It's not like, I, you know, I didn't go to school for broadcasting. I wasn't a journalism major or anything like that. So it just kind of, I would always stay involved with, with that side, even in the off season. And, and you get used to being in front of a camera, especially being a quarterback at a, a, a SEC, SEC university, you know, still would do a ton of interviews, even in, in Kansas city night, you know, not even being the, the starter, but still, you know, there's always talk about quarterbacks, quarterback, quarterback, quarterback. So, you know, you get, a, you get comfortable in front of the camera, in front of a mic. Uh, I would try to do some stuff in the off season, you know, around Georgia football when I was back in Atlanta and, You know, from there, the opportunity kind of just presented itself done with my career in the NFL. And I was like, you know, I told my agent, I was like, hey, you know, I'd like to explore this. CBS reached out. They had a great opportunity immediately, which was great. A full, full season of games, a couple studio, and I kind of just jumped on it. And it's been awesome. This will be my sixth year working with them and really excited to, to continue to grow in that field.
1: You talked earlier about kind of the preparation and leadership. Do you find some parallels between your playing days and doing the broadcast work with the prep and getting ready and all those type things?
0: Oh, yeah, it's it's, it's very similar. Yeah, you know, they send us a ton of material. So I'm constantly reading articles and doing my research. And, you know, but when it comes to a game that week, uh, I'm breaking down films. We have access to the coach's film. So I'm watching, you know, All 22, High End Zone, taking my notes, getting familiar with kind of... You know what those offenses and defense are doing. What are they doing in situational play? Third down, red zone. Um, what kind of packages? Who are they trying to get matched up on offense? Who they, who's kind of the weakness on both sides of the ball? Stuff like that. You know, we'll talk to coaches and players usually later on in the week. But yeah, it's it's a lot of the a lot of the same stuff I did getting ready for a game. Uh, especially when it comes to the film study I'm doing now in preparation for for calling a game in the booth. So it's a lot of fun for me because I was always a part of the game that I love to do. I love the X's and O's. I love the preparation. I love the film. So the fact that now it's it's still my job to do that is
1: is great. So you're wearing a lot of hats. You're doing broadcast work for CBS. You are co-hosting the Punt and Pass podcast. And we had you on back uh, in the lead up to the National Championship Week to talk about the Players Lounge and all the exciting things that are going on with that. Uh, You and Keith Marshall were recently named co-CEOs of the Players Lounge. So, number one, congratulations on that. But can you just talk to us about what the, I guess, the genesis of starting that up was? And was the explosion of it as quick as y'all expected? Or has it been about as pleasant a surprise as you could have imagined?
0: Yeah, it's been a pleasant surprise. Uh, It's been great. We had a lot of fun with the project. You know, the, the, the goal was, you know, the mission from the start was to create a environment where fans and players get to interact, where fans get to know these players, not just as a football player, but as a a kid that likes video games or racing race cars or this, this Netflix show or this sport or whatever, you know, outside of their said field, uh, whether it's baseball, football, basketball, all that good stuff. So, you know, we, we had a great first you know, launch with Georgia. Since then, we've probably signed close to 150 kids up across the country, uh, launching similar projects at LSU, Texas, Oklahoma, Alabama, Auburn, Tennessee, Clemson. Uh, so super, super excited about that. And, and the more you get to know these kids and interact with them, You know, the more you get to see that, hey, just like I always tell everyone, they're just they're just like anyone else. Um, And everyone always has a joke. You know, these kids still wake up and put their pants on, too. So um, they're great kids. They want to be able to show their personality. And it's great to see that NIL is really given an opportunity to showcase that, showcase their interests. uh, And obviously, then, you know, on top of that, get compensated for it, which which I'm all for.
1: Have you all found that whether it's you or whether it's Keith or whether it's Ty, that there's a certain trust and authenticity that's immediately established with the kids that y'all are working with because y'all have been in their shoes?
0: Yeah, I think that helps a ton. You know, we're, we present it as that, like, hey man, we're former players, four players. Um, when we go to these universities too, we usually bring on some, what we like to call ambassadors. So former mm-hmm. players that, you know, are, you know, played there, that those kids may recognize even more because they walk those halls that, that, that they do now. So yeah, I think it brings a lot of credibility that we, you know They understand our mission. Obviously, the proof is there with what we did at Georgia and you know, the success we had. So it, it helps when it comes to pitching these kids. And, and, and we feel like right now we have some of the best athletes in the country signed up at those universities and, and have hit play this week on a few of them and excited to see what the next two months brings when it comes to uh, essentially
1: uh, building the community out. We had Coach Rick on the show back at the end of August when he was releasing his book. And in the book itself, and when he chatted with us, he spoke very highly of you. And just interested to hear your perspective on playing for him and the effect he had on you, not just as a player, but as a man.
0: Ooh, man, he's, he's awesome. I mean, he's one of the main reasons why I committed to Georgia. You know, he's one of the few co- coaches that actually walked into my house and, you know, told my parents that, yes, I, I will work to make your son a better football player, but I guarantee you I'll make your son a better man. And he he delivered on that. You know, I feel like I'm a better person by being associated and being around Coach Rick for those five years. You know, he was so focused on obviously football, but really, how can I make you a better husband? How can I make you a better father? How can I make you a better person in the community? And I absolutely love that. Just incredible, smart man, giving man. Everyone always asks me, is he, is he what he's, you know, what we perceive him to be? Is that really his personality? I'm like, yes. What what he what he gives off to the media? And to the outside world is exactly what you get inside the buttsmere every single day I mean the man was was one of the like I said one of the nicest uh, best leaders I've ever been around
1: that's our experience as well and this is obviously a small snippet compared to your experience with him but you know we're a, a we're a know nothing podcast right and he didn't know us from adam and we had him on and I had asked him about I guess some space during his career and he had corrected me saying it was a different time and I'm not going to correct coach Rick. Like <laughs> it's coach Rick. Right. So he emailed me about two hours after the interview and he said, you know what? I look back and you were right. I'm sorry about that.
0: Yeah.
1: And I, and then um, we, had, you know, which that floored me number one. And then I just emailed him back. and said, so coach, I, it's no big deal at all. Like we're just so appreciative that you came on and spent time with us. And, you know, we love the book. And he said, I'm glad you like it. He said, get five and give it to people who you think, lo- who, you know, love college football, but don't know if they love Jesus or not, man. Whew, it like, I just, I, I just thought it really spoke to kind of how he is and who he is and man, he, he'll, he'll always have fans in us. And what, what a beautiful message and and beautiful person he is, at least in our opinion. So, yeah. um, Well, I, I want you to, we ask all of our guests this, as a alum, as a former player, how has the University of Georgia impacted your life, and laid out a path for success as you've progressed?
0: Ooh, uh, well, the network is incredible. I think Georgia network-wise, not just living in the state of Georgia, but I think across the country is it's strong. You know, you can always find a dog somewhere uh, or a large group of dogs that want to you know take care of you and help you any way you can. So it's been you know, it's been awesome to see, especially a kid, you know, like myself that grew up in Florida that, you know, had to learn a lot of the traditions of what it it meant to be a University of Georgia alumni and Letterman. And there's no shortage of help anywhere you go. It's been great. Um, in whatever space you want uh, in life, you know, and especially the professional life. So it's, 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 it's awesome. They've been great to me, my family, my wife, so, yeah, I love it, man. It is, is one of the best networks you could ever be a part of.
1: All right. We want to close with you today. We do something with all of our guests called the Smart 16, a little homage to Coach Smart and the number he wore when he was wearing the red and black. So we're going to hit you with these. They're, they're quicker questions, so you don't have to, to tarry on them if you don't want to. All right. First question. What's your middle name? William. Family name? It was my grandfather's name. Yes. <laughs> oh, cool. Yeah. Love that. Love that. All right. Who is your favorite dog of all time? And I guess in your case, it could be a teammate too, if you want to do it that way.
0: Oh man,
1: um,
0: I know that's tough. Favorite dog of all time. I don't want to pick a teammate because I feel like I'd be, you know, uh, I'll go with uh, I'll go with my boy, my boy, uh, two of them, Ben Jones and David Andrews, my two centers. Oh, I like that. So,
1: yeah. sh- short story. Part of the reason that my co-host, whose real name is James, Chose his, uh, chose his show name as Boss Dog was because he loved David Andrews. Okay. So, yeah, all right, that's You're good. Two of the best centers you'll ever have right there. Yeah. All right, what is your favorite game that you ever played in as a dog? 2013
0: versus LSU. Just unbelievable atmosphere, unbelievable game. Yeah,
1: that's, that's one I'll never forget. What is your favorite rivalry that the dogs have? Got to be Florida. Definitely Florida. Yeah, I kind of thought that might be the answer. Yeah. That's a good one. What is your favorite away stadium in the Southeastern Conference? Actually, South Carolina. Um, you know, when they get
0: the, the sandstorm going, those towels waving, it's, it's electric there. It's a lot of fun. You know, it's
1: intimidating, but it's, it's also a lot of fun to be a part of. Fun fact about williams Bryce: if you don't already know this, the movie, the program, that is Wolf Den Stadium. Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah, that's, yeah. That, whew, that place gets rocking. Yeah, rocking. We've only, we were only, I've only ever been, uh, we went, we took my big kids during the, the COVID year. So it was super limited capacity, but it was a night game. And I can imagine that when they pop sandstorm through there at night, it's probably rocking. Yeah. It is going to be hotter than a $2 pistol when they yes. play there this fall oh. at noon. <laughs> All right. What is the, and maybe this, this could be the same answer as your favorite game. What is the loudest home game you ever experienced between the hedges? Oh,
0: Yeah. LSU for sure. Especially, you know, that, that, that last drive LSU had, and and we're trying to obviously stop them to win. I mean, you could feel the ground shaking a little bit underneath
1: us. So we, we kind of did straw polls amongst each other when we were building the list and what people would say. And we figured most people would say the blackout, right? Like that's been such a big one. But I'm gonna tell you something. Thirteen LSU has been a big answer. Lots of people have have given that as an answer. So okay, yeah. like that game, the Notre Dame night night game, I was there. problem. Yep. that was electric. Um, yeah, that yeah. that one was. That's was, been a big answer too. Nineteen Notre Dame's been a big one. Okay, you get to choose the headlining act at the Georgia Theater. Who do you choose? Ah, uh, Mount Joy. Oh, I like that. You yeah. haven't had that answer yet. Yeah, I like that. All right cocktail you're mixing for the world's largest outdoor cocktail party
0: uh, a little vodka soda with a splash of tonic and lime
1: okay yeah we get down with that we can put that on the list <laughs> oh, it's, called, it's called a sonic there you yeah go. all right we're good with that all right i don't want to get you in trouble with anybody in the classic city but you're back in athens for one meal where are you going to eat in the classic city oh last resort or cali and tito's so
0: i mean it's it's, it's a coin flip between those two Usually I try get to get both when I'm there, one for lunch and one for dinner. What do you get when you go to each? Uh Cali Tito's, I get la because I just had it el, Sa- la Sa- la salado. el salado el salado I think it is, and then last resort I always get like this. It's a pasta, thick noodles with some seafood in it. You get you
1: you go the dessert at last resort and get you a little Cecilia's cake uh, or what?
0: Oh, I definitely get some some
1: cake. I try to mix <laughs> up
0: to. to, to get some variety in my life, but yeah,
1: th- those yeah. two spots. All right. Game day superstitions, uh, either when you were a player or, or even now as a fan, uh, I didn't like to give high fives with my right hand. I would either
0: fist bump or I would high five some of my left hand uh, just because a lot of the guys love to put like Vaseline on their body. So yeah, game I gave someone a high five and my hand was covered in Vaseline and it was like, Oh no, this isn't good. Um, so from then on, I've just, fist bump, or I would just give everyone a high five with my left hand.
1: Yeah. So I want to follow up on that because this has always been of interest. I, I worked for the uh, Redskins out of B school. And so we saw it a little bit because we'd hang out with the equipment guys, but the tricks they would use to get the jerseys so tight on so that guys couldn't grab, what would they use at Georgia? Like in, with the skins, they would do like um, almost like two-sided duct tape.
0: Yeah. It was of like it a, it's like in. a duct tape. It's on your, it's on your actual, there's like a tape you put on your shoulder pads and it would just stick to the shoulder pad. Yeah. I mean, it was on there pretty dang tight.
1: Yeah. We'd go in there like midweek and there'd just be these rows of shoulder pads and there's just tape everywhere and they're getting them all prepped. So yeah, always interested about that. Okay. What is your favorite Sanford stadium pregame tradition, whether it's dog walk, lone trumpeter, um, Brooke Whitmire coming over the airwaves with it's Saturday night in Athens or any, any of the above. It was always uh, what's the
0: song we play right before kickoff? Oh, Bob O'Reilly. Bob O'Reilly. I mean, yeah. I swear, every time I hear that, especially in Sanford, I can't, I can't not cry. You know, just like one or two tears, always like just makes me a little emotional. So, anytime I hear Bob O'Reilly, I'm like, ah, oh, I'm in a good place. So,
1: I want to ask one more question off of that because it, it's obviously a different perspective for you as a former player. What is that like? Coming out of the tunnel in front of ninety three thousand strong at Sanford, and feeling all of that unity and feeling all that love. Woo, man! It's
0: awesome. It's it's first of all, it's a beautiful stadium. I mean, there's not many stadiums that are just that aesthetically pleasing to look at. Uh, the hedges, you know, the 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 end zone, looking over campus, and and um, yeah, it's it's an awesome feeling running through there, right down the middle. And you just see red and black everywhere and just going absolutely nuts. Yeah, it's it's an awesome, awesome feeling. All right, black
1: jerseys, yes or no?
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm all for alternate jerseys. Um, you know, once again, like I'm not, you know, I didn't grow up a Georgia fan. So all the Yeah. Some of the traditions are now part of me, but I'm all for mixing up a little bit. Let's have some fun with the uniform. They're just, they're just, they're just such great colors, you know, red and black yeah, yeah. and the silver. Like, why would you not have some fun
1: with it? they go together so well in so many ways. So yeah, we're, we're in agreement on that. Okay. Uh, this is a tough one for everybody, but what is the loss you're still not over? Uh, the uh, definitely Alabama, um,
0: you know, to be that close to, to winning, to win the SEC championship game, and obviously seeing what they did versus Notre Dame, knowing that, you know, we probably would have done the same thing and, and won a natty back in 2012. You know, That's, that's one that always haunt me.
1: Is that the type of game where you can't watch it or is it one where you've watched it a thousand times?
0: No, I I watched it a thousand times like that week. And then I've never watched it since. Yeah. And I don't think I will. Like if someone had it on, I would not sit down and watch it.
1: Yeah. So, and I hate to belabor this point, but it's interesting to get the perspective when you are the player that's, that's in a game of, of that magnitude and you experience being oh, so close what is the refractory period, where you have to kind of let it go? <sighs> I mean, I know I know everybody says, "Oh, we we, we got twenty four hours and we're leaving it," but a game like that, what's the real answer?
0: <laughs>
1: um, you know,
0: well, unfortunately for us, usually it is twenty four hours. I mean, you have to. I mean, you just you got to get to work. Got to get ready for the next game. So yeah, you you. Know, to me, like I would get in on Sunday. I'd watch the film probably a couple times. But then by Sunday night, I'm watching film for the next game. It's like you have to move on. You know, we'd watch it one more time with with Bobo on Monday. Real quick, we'd skim through it because he already kind of knew that I watched it. And we, you know, I would go in his office on Sunday and we'd talk about it a little bit. But, yeah, you've got to get ready for that next game. Like you cannot sit on there and just keep watching it. Uh, but unfortunately for that game, you know, there was a next game. Because of, you know, we we, you know, had three, four weeks to to get ready for a bowl game. So there was more time for me to continue. That's why I said I watched like a thousand times because I had all week. There was no pre there's no preparing for a game the following week. So yeah, I watched it and just killed myself in that video room going over, you know, little tiny stuff that you know, you always make the excuse, well, if I would have done this, I would have done that. But you know, no one's gonna play a perfect game. You know, it's an awesome game. It's unfortunate the way it ended, but
1: how close on that list is the 2013 Auburn game at Jordan-Hare.
0: Oh, that would probably be second. Yeah. Um, you know, that, you know, LSU, obviously the year before the SEC championship game, you know, we were up at halftime and you had some stupid mistakes and, you know, turnovers in the second half. And, you know, I thought we we'd probably had an opportunity to win that game too. Some heartbreakers, I'll tell you that.
1: Editorial comment on the 2013 Auburn game. Uh, since I have the platform with you, I'm going to tell you. As an outsider observing, I thought it was one of the gutsier performances, not just of your career, but of any Georgia player that I've ever consumed. I mean, how you played that game and with the fervor you played in that game, I mean, it was impressive, brother. There's a line in the movie Full Metal Jacket where the gunnery sergeant said private jokers got guts and guts is enough brother. That was your private joker game. I mean, that was a gutsy, gutsy ball game. So you should be proud regardless of the outcome. Well, listen, I,
0: uh, I always pride myself on, on not holding back and laying it out there and sacrificing my body, uh, yeah. which sounded smart when you're 20, you know, 20 <laughs> years old. Uh, but I swear these past two weeks, my back has been freaking hurting me. I've gone to the chiropractor twice. I'm, I'm like, man. And then, you know, what was it? Like 10 days ago, it was like 90 days till kickoff. And, you know, uh, Alabama post that hit of Quinn Dial knocking me out. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, that's why my back's hurting. That, <laughs> it makes sense. It's, you know, 10 years later, whatever. It's, uh, it's now starting to catch up on me a little bit.
1: Well, wow, And that's the, that's twofold important now. One, because you got to keep the back healthy for the kiddos, but also got to keep that golf swing in check too. Right? Well, you know, golf
0: has been fine to manage with one kid, you know, two, you know, there's no. Hey, you take Maddox for afternoon. I'm gonna go golfing. It's no, 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 no. You know, you get one, I get one. So, you know, I I I still have to find a way to brainwash him to love golf. So my excuse. is right. Say, hey, Maddox wants to go play golf. I gotta go take him golfing, and uh, you know, she can have a girls' day with with Miles.
1: That's why the fine people at Augusta crafted the drive, chip, and putt. It's for hopeful fathers everywhere.
0: <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm making. It. He's you know, it's gonna be hard for him not to play football. I'm sure it's gonna be thrown in his face a ton.
1: Yeah. But
0: if I can get him playing golf and tennis and just be a country cub kid, I would be be so happy. I'm not gonna lie. It is so physical. And he'll be a he'll be a big kid, man. My my wife's family's they're Dutch, they're giants. They're my father-in-law's like six four, my brother-in-law is six four. My wife's like five, you know, five nine, five ten. So he'll be, he won't be me. He'll be probably bigger than me, but still,
1: man, it just it's it's a rough game. It is a rough, rough game. Did you play golf your whole life, or did you pick it up more after you stopped playing? I I, I
0: probably played about four years. So yeah, when I
1: stopped playing, yeah. I picked it up. So I'm I'm all right. You know, I, I tried hard. I, I want to get your opinion on this because I grew up playing football and baseball. Played baseball in college, and they're both games that you you don't play past 21, right? Like those aren't games you play anymore unless you're a freak and can play in the pros. Whereas golf, you play. Till the day before you, you lay down forever, right? So that's what I always try to tell my kids. I'm like, look, man, I want you guys to love all the sports I love, but play some stuff that you can enjoy like the rest of your life. And man, golf, even if you're bad at it, it's great being on a golf course.
0: So, oh, 100%. Yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah. And, and if you start young, at least get the fundamentals down, you know, it, it's something that you can just, you don't have to play all the time, but if you get good fundamentals early, you know, at least- Like, I feel like I've been trying to play catch up, you know, the past four years trying to make up for all the lost time and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll get him, we'll get him
1: going early. Man. We had a buddy went to school with to play golf at at our college and he, it's, it's unreal the difference, right? It's like, I mean, obviously it's probably the same for him watching like us that grew up playing stuff, but it just looks so easy. And he just winds up and pulls 300 out of the bag. Like it's it's nothing. nothing. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I played with two Georgia golfers the other day. They were just, it's just so easy. Just so yeah. everything. Yeah, it's, it's it's fun to watch those guys and the way they use their body and the way they're able to sequence everything, um, especially in the downswing, where it just looks just like a whoosh, nice and easy.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a great game, man. Okay, this question we changed. It originally was, what's your order at the varsity? But when they closed the Athens location, we made a vow that we wouldn't ask the question again until the varsity reopened in Athens. So now the question is, how do you order your hash browns at the Waffle House?
0: Oh, I'm playing. I'll put Jeez. some ketchup. I'll put some ketchup on it. But other than that, like I ain't getting too crazy.
1: Bless you and Coach Rick. Same thing. He's like, I yeah. just, you know, I just get them straight. I <laughs> just get them
0: straight. I didn't know you could do crazy stuff. I just straight. Put some ketchup on it, like it's a big old hash brown
1: or something. Good lord, Athens has failed you, my friend. We got to get you there, getting you some scattered, smothered, cover, baby. Oh, <laughs> uh-huh. All right. There ought to be a constitutional amendment outlawing noon kickoffs. Yes or no?
0: No, I'm fine with it. Listen, I prefer as a player, I would prefer noon kickoff than 730 kickoff. I mean, staying in that hotel all day long is just exhausting. I know as fans, you all love it. You get to party, you get to get drunk, get to have a good time. But like, we're just sitting in a hotel room all day long. It's just like, oh, get me out of here. Like, I'm just sick of being in this damn room. So, you know, I, I, 3.30 to me is still the best spot because you get to sleep in a little bit. Fans get the tailgate. You don't have to be in the hotel all day, but like I'm telling you, man, seven o'clock, you just, you're just looking at the ceiling, just waiting for the game to happen.
1: Were y'all still staying at Lake Lanier when you were there?
0: Yeah. Plus we're staying at Lake
1: Lanier, which was crazy. Yeah. 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 We heard a couple of the stuff we, to be honest with you, your answer mimics most of the former players and coaches. Like we love, we love noon because then we get to be done and go watch other games, spend time with their family. But then a couple of guys have said, dude, when we were staying at Lake Lanier, noon was miserable. Oh yeah. That was a little aggressive.
0: Like if we live, if we were where they are now, it's not bad, but yeah, we had to wake up pretty damn early, which I'm a morning person. So I didn't care. Yeah. But, yeah. It was, it was, I mean, an hour and 20 minutes, get to the bus, butt's mirror, change, get back in the bus, then go to the stadium. You know, you were
1: a lot happened before you even got to Sanford. Uh, And a lot of time passed. All right. Last question. College football playoff expand or find how it is.
0: I mean, I'm, I'm fine with four because at the end of the day, we all know who legitimately has a chance to win it. But I mean, I'm not someone who's like anti expand. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. You know, I I do like the fact that like a Cincinnati did get an opportunity. I've, I've been a big fan of Cincinnati these past couple of years. I've covered them, got to know Coach Fickle and Desmond and all those guys. And you know, they are a very good team. And I actually thought they played pretty well versus Alabama. You put another team in there. I mean, it was a more competitive game than Georgia versus Michigan. Yeah. So, I mean, let's let's at least admit that. So, I do like the fact that if we do expand it, you get more teams an opportunity at least um, to be in there. I don't think it's going to make a difference. I still think that the, the teams that we know are going to win it, those top two, maybe three teams, are still going to win it. But like I said, I'm not – I would be fine either way. Uh, so I'm not going to bitch and moan one way or
1: the other. All right. You're off the hot seat. Thank you for indulging us with uh, with the smart 16. Um, on, on the vein of the playoff talk, I'm going to throw this at you. So my brother and I went out to Pasadena for the Rose Bowl. And you were also out there. You're minding your own business and all by yourself. So I walked over and I'm not usually one of these kind of people to do this. But I was like, hey, man, you know, introduce myself. Would you mind taking a picture with me? And so Sharon was there with you. She's kind enough to take our picture. And she goes, I'll take the picture if you take one of us. And I'm like, absolutely, fair trade. Well, in the midst of that happening, like 15 Georgia fans come over to then bombard you and have pictures with you. So very delayed apology for ruining your solace. We we were not going to hide for long. So (laughs) it was was going to happen at some point. that, That was not my intention. Uh, but then we came to the, uh, we came to the icon source party this year for the tailgate, saw you there as well. So I'm just saying when you and I link up pregame, when the dogs are in CFPs, it's two and Oh, I'm not Let's saying, go. I'm not saying that that matters. Some people may say that though.
0: <laughs> I mean, there's not a loss and there, those are two of the best games I've ever been to. I mean, the Rose bowl was, I mean, one may one of the best games I've ever been to, if not the best. Uh, that obviously, winning a daddy is pretty special too. So let's go. Did
1: you, do I remember? Did you tell me that day that you had been there before when you went on a recruiting visit to UCLA? Is that right?
0: Yeah, I, I I I'd gone to visit UCLA. I loved it. Beautiful. It's hard not to love UCLA. I mean, that campus, yeah. gorgeous. Rose Bowl. New Heisel, who I work with now, was a head coach, and he's a hell of a salesman. But <laughs> no, it's that would have been a long trip for mom and dad to go back and forth for games and. Yeah, I told them, I was like, listen, I'm, I'm, you know, the farthest I'll go is Georgia. It's a six hour drive. Still kind of a pain, pain in the butt compared to, you know, an hour, hour and a half to Gainesville. But, you know, it's better than jumping on a flight, going to
1: California every weekend. Yeah. All right, Aaron, we appreciate the time, brother. Please tell everybody how they can support you, whether it's through your own personal channels or with the Players Lounge or Punt and Pass.
0: Yeah. I mean, we're excited for the season. You know, Drew and I will be, you know, starting up again soon here to get ready for the year at the Pun Pass. Um, you know, follow me, Air Murray 11 We're doing some great stuff at the Players' Lounge. Like I said, we have, I don't know, 120, 140 players signed up across the country. So really helping them build their brand, show their personalities, and obviously help them with when it comes to an IHL opportunity. So really, really excited about that. Just follow us on all of our socials there at the Players' Lounge. Um, no Edo. Unfortunately, I think, I don't know if it was a character count or if up t h e was taken so we're just th players lounge but
1: on the website it's the players all right and we will link uh all those all the social channels and all the links to players lounge to punt and pass everything in our show notes so everybody please go and check everything out players lounge fantastic organization have already been putting on some awesome events for dogs fans uh, if you are not listening to punt and pass i don't know which problem is get on that it's fantastic Drew and Aaron do a great job. So, Aaron, thank you so much for joining us, brother. You're absolutely a damn good dog. And uh, go, dogs, man. Go, dogs. Appreciate that. Hey, George is better now.